0: through to verse 19. This evening we will come to the end of the second section, as we might say, the second section from verse 6 to verse 19, where the Lord Jesus prays directly uh, for his disciples, which are then alive. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. All mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, that these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world." I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil, or the, as we considered that verse, the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Well, in our last study, we uh, we ended at verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And we said that this is a fact, uh, not an obligation. And it is not trying to be something uh, that we are not. The Lord Jesus says they are not of the world. And as Bishop Rowell says, that he says they are not of the world, it is not merely that they ought not to be, for it is a grievous inconsistency to seem to be not of the world whilst they are. For it is false to our relationship. We are the fathers and given to the rejected son who has done with the world. Well, there's kind of a play on words there and I think you have to think about that what uh, Bishop Brown is saying. But it is faith possessing Christ who gives the believer his own place of relationship and acceptance on high. And as Arthur Pink said, said it this way, that this truth applies in a sevenfold way in our relationship to the world. And those that were here uh, last Lord's Day, I just ask your indulgence. I'm going to give you those uh, seven points again. First of all, Pink said, Christians have a different standing from those who belong to the world. Their standing is in Adam. Ours is in Christ. They are under condemnation, we are accepted in the beloved. Secondly, Arthur Pink said, we possess a different nature. Theirs is born of the flesh. Ours. Of the Spirit. Theirs is evil and corrupt. Ours is holy and divine. Thirdly, we serve a different master. They are of the Father the devil, and the desires of the Father they will do. We serve the Lord. Fourthly, we have a different aim. Theirs is to please self. Ours is to glorify God. Fifth, we have a different citizenship. Theirs is on the earth. Ours is in heaven. Sixth, we have a different life. Far below the standard set before us, it is true. <coughs> Nevertheless, no Christian in the general tenure of his conduct, goes to the same excess of sin as does the worldling. I think Pink is very balanced there because he, he acknowledges a remaining sin in the believer. And seventh, we have a different destiny. Theirs is a lake of fire. Ours is the Father's house. On high. So this evening we come to verses 17 through 19, and I will read those verses again. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Now again, I remind you that there are commentators who regard verses 6 through 19 as containing our Lord's intercession for the apostles only. And of course, it is very clear that 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 is the immediate case. Our Lord's words in verse 20 that that would appear to be so. But I don't think that we cannot apply these truths to all Christians down through the ages. So in verse 17, our Lord Jesus says, sanctify them through uh, thy truth, thy word is truth. Christ Here, our Lord relates to two inseparable truths. Christ explicitly says that the truth by which God sanctifies His children exists nowhere but in and through the Word. Therefore, first of all, He asks the Father to sanctify the disciples, and next He describes the means of sanctification. As John Calvin says, and not without reason, for there are fanatics who chatter emptily about sanctification but neglect God's truth, by which he consecrates us to himself. And again, as there are others who talk a lot of nonsense about the truth, Yet, neglect the word. So, here our Lord emphasizes the necessity or the absolute necessity of our sanctification. And the subject of sanctification is a deeply important one because we are still in this world and we are in the world of sense yet, as the Lord says, not of the world. So first of all, the word sanctify, as most, if not all of us here this evening, understand, has basically one uniform meaning throughout the scripture, namely to set apart, or to be holy. Usually, but not always, to set apart someone or something unto God for his use the word has reference never has reference to inward cleansing and still less to the eradication of the carnal nature for the doctrine of sanctification never Teaches the possibility of holiness, perfection, this side of glory. But it is used in different ways. Take verse 19, for instance, where our Lord says, For their sakes I sanctify myself. That can only mean for their sakes. I set myself apart. But let us just consider some of the different ways it is used in Scripture. And um, Brian, could I you read Jude 1, please? Jude 1. And here, the reference is to the Father's eternal predestination of the elect when he sets them apart in Christ. Preserved and called. Jude 1. Jude, a servant
1: of Christ, of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved
0: in Jesus Christ. Set apart. When they are set apart by the Father in Christ, preserved and called, Notice that they are sanctified before they are called. And Paul, could I ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and read verse 10, please? Hebrews 10 and verse 10. By that world we
2: have been sanctified the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all.
0: And Corinne, could I ask you to turn over to chapter 13 and read verse 12, please, of Hebrews.
2: And so Jesus also suffered, the pacific to make, the people
0: holy to, his own to make the people holy or sanctified. The reference here is to be being set apart by the bloodshedding and the ransom of those bought out of the slave market of sin. Uh, Trish, could I ask you to turn to Second Thessalonians and read verse two and thirteen, please? And Chris, could I ask you to turn to First Peter chapter one and read verse two, please? Second Thessalonians two verse thirteen. But
3: we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth.
0: And then First Peter one verse two, uh, Chris, please. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father sanctification of the obedience and of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace So the reference there to sanctification is the new birth, when he sets us apart from those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. But here in John seventeen and verse seventeen, sanctification is by or through the truth. That is by the written word of God. And it is used in different ways. The sanctification of the Father of Jesus Christ and of the Spirit each have to do with that which is positional and absolute. That sanctification is not gradual but absolute. But what is complete and final By sanctification, what you were and what you are now. But sanctification through the truth or by the truth is practical and progressive. Just so far as we walk according to God's word shall we be separated from evil. For we see the most intimate connection between These two petitions in Christ for his own. Verse 15 he says, keep them from evil or keep them from the evil one. Verse 17 he says, sanctify them through the truth. The first is secured by the second. And also we see the close relationship of verse 17 and verse 16. The Lord Jesus says they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. (coughs) Sanctify them by thy truth because they are not of this world. Cause them to walk in separation from it, the Lord (coughs) prays. Sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth notice the Lord says is truth not contains truth there is a world of difference here we have the unadulterated truth because its author cannot lie in it There is no error. And because the word is God's truth, it is a final authority. By it, everything is to be tested. Not only that, but by it, our thoughts and our words are to be formed and our conduct to be regulated by it. And just because God's word is truth, it sanctifies those who obey it. And, Victor, could I ask you to turn to Titus 1 and read verse 1, please? Titus
2: of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness.
0: Acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. If then the word is truth, and it is, of course, what a high value we should put on it. It is by the truth we are sanctified. How then should we prize it? For the church, Paul says, is cleansed in Ephesians 5 verse 26 by the washing with water through the word. Truth here is the light of the wisdom of God who reveals himself to us in and through his word by the spirit of truth John Owen said if truth separates from evil if truth separates from evil error conducts into evil It was so at the beginning. It was believing the devil's lie which plunged our race into sin and death. Then beware of error as poison is to the body and so error is to the soul. Shun those who deny any part of God's truth as you would a deadly plague. And, of course, John Owen, living in the 1600s, he would understand the words a deadly plague. We probably don't grasp that uh, that description uh, these days. Maybe in other, some parts of the world, that's true. Coronavirus. <laughs> Coronavirus, well, yes. But a deadly plague. We're talking about the, the Black Death and the... And uh, what were the others? Uh, Our physician here, bubonic plague. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, John Owen understood what he was talking about there. And then he goes on to say, "Take heed what you hear." Mark four, verse twenty-four. Verse eighteen. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Christ has given us his place in two places. His place of acceptance on high and of his place of witness here below. This, I think, statement of our Lord anticipates what he says in uh, chapter 20 and verse uh, 21. And, Yakubin, could I ask you to read that one, please? Chapter 20, uh, John chapter 20, sorry, John chapter 20, verse 21.
2: Again.
0: the as my Father has sent me, so send I you. Now of course in the context that Christ is speaking here, he's speaking directly to his disciples, those who would become the apostles, the foundation the pillar and the ground of the truth, as the scripture says. Therefore, there is this missionary element in these words of our Lord Jesus. And of course, they can be used in the very same context in our day. But at the same time, all Christians are to be missionaries wherever the Lord has providentially placed them. But those who witness below must have a walk consistent with their witness. For as partakers of the heavenly calling, we are commissioned to represent him here below. And it is only as first children out of the world that they can be sent into the world. And Christ was sent to reveal the Father. As we know, he says, I have manifested the Father's glory. I have shown forth the moral perfection of my Father. And so we in the world are to show forth Christ's glory which is the glory also of the Father. The Lord Jesus was sent here on an errand of mercy to seek and to save that which was lost. Likewise, his people are to speak Peace and preach speak and the gospel when granted by his providence to do so. Christ was here full of grace and truth. We are to speak the truth graciously. But that does not necessarily mean that the gospel will be received or the truth will be received graciously. On the contrary, you may be accused of being judgmental, narrow, have you heard that one? Fanatical, too religious, etc. So, Christ was here as the light of the world, and his people are to shine as lights in this dark world. So he now sends them into the world to preach the gospel to every creature, to all peoples, and to all nations. For the chosen nation of the old dispensation does not, occup- does not occupy the place. Of distinction and blessings anymore. Maybe Romans chapter 11 has some future for the Jewish people, and that could be discussed one day. But Christianity in this dispensation bears witness to Jew and Gentile alike. Verse 19. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. What an amazing, as I pondered this verse, what an amazing and gracious condescension of our Lord. For obviously our Lord in saying, I sanctify myself, is in no way used in the sense as our uh, sanctification. Uh, Peter, could I ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 7 and read verse 26, please?
1: Such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled,
0: separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. So our Lord was separate from sinners, undefiled. He was set apart. But again, we must remember, and I said on a number of occasions, that He prays here as the covenant servant. And this is the second plea put forth by Christ in support of his petition in verse 17, where he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Verse 18, we are to be sent into the world, the commission that has been given. And they are unworthy. Therefore, I sanctify myself for them. And so he speaks to the Father, not only by the way of entreaty, but by merit and to his Father's justice as one that was ready to lay down his life as a satisfaction for sin. For their sakes, I sanctify myself. Not his own. And I think, first and foremost, the obvious reference is to the cross. I, the great high priest, set myself apart for my people and for their sakes. And... Um, Dennis, could I ask you to read Hebrews 10, verse 14, please?
2: For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified.
0: Thank you, Dennis. So he says, I set myself apart as the Lamb of God to be slain for them. He did this that they might be sanctified by the truth. Therefore, in declaring that he sanctified himself, Christ called attention to how freely and how voluntarily he entered into his sacrificial service. There was no necessity or compulsion in that sense. He laid down his life himself, as we've read a a number of times from John 10, verse 18. This he did for their sakes, namely, the whole company of God's elect for the church and anton could i ask you to read ephesians 5 and read verses 25 and 26 please and antonette if i could ask you to turn to hebrews 13 and read verse 12 please ephesians 5 25 and 26
1: husbands love your wives, just as christ also loved the church and gave himself Order, that he might
3: sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word.
0: Notice the washing of water by the word, the word. The word. If Hebrews 13, verse 12. Antoinette, please.
2: Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate.
0: Therefore, our Lord says, for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Christ sets himself apart to be slain for them freely and voluntarily. But they are to be sanctified by and through the truth the ultimate truth of who Christ is in his work and in his person. And so the object of his people's affections, contemplation and worship. And as our great high priest, as the glorified man, as the heavenly man, above the heavens a glorified man in the glory as the scripture says in order that all truth shines forth in him in his person raised up from the dead by the glory of the father and all that the father is being displayed and manifested in him. I have manifested thy name. And he gives that testimony of divine righteousness, of divine love, and of divine power. And neither pray I for those alone but for them also whom which shall believe on me through their word. Not might believe, but shall believe in verse 20. And here is the culmination of the whole prayer from verse 1 through to 19. Yet so closely connected with the previous verses that the perfect unity is apparent. That the union with Christ is the foundation of all spiritual blessings. For had there been no connection with Him, there could be no regeneration. No justification, no sanctification, no glorification. And in these closing verses, Christ looks forward to that blessed consummation. Now he looks forward. He looks forward to the time when there shall be no more in the world. And let us read verses 20 through 26. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them that they may be one even as we are one I in them And thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known thee, that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. And now we have arrived at the closing section of this wonderful prayer. And these words of our Lord are so profound for here we have what we could call the fruit of God's eternal love for his people. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe, as we said, not might believe, but shall believe on me through the truth. This said here is the culmination of the whole prayer from verses 1 through two nineteen, 19. And that union with Christ is the foundation of all our spiritual blessings and in these close closing verses he looks forward to that time when we shall be no more in the world and that they shall be here where he is now and as this Wondrous prayer stretches forward into the ages, should the Lord tarry. Only in eternity will this truth be realized. And I'm betwixt and between how to consider these last six verses. And if you read them, you there's a depth that we just cannot comprehend. And I'm betwixt them between whether to consider them verse by verse or to consider them as a unit within the doctrine of spiritual union and communion with Christ. Because here in these verses we see a distinctive Covenant love we see the Covenant language I will be their God and they shall be my people it's a distinction and a love and a compassion for Christ for his people his father his union with his father and the people with Christ and with the father and the spirit is beyond my comprehension, but yet it is revealed. But just notice first in closing these things that the Lord Jesus prays for. First, the persons prayed for not only these, but for them also which shall believe. Secondly, the mark by which they are identified. They are believers, faith in Christ. And thirdly, the ground of their faith is the Word, the truth. For notice right throughout this prayer, notice the number of times the Lord Jesus speaks of the Word, the truth. The scriptures, they have known, they have received, they have believed the words that Jesus spoke. I pray for them also. And I close with these words of John Owen, where he says, Christ's. Prayers would fail, would sorry. Let me start again. Christ's prayers would fall to the ground if he should pray for them that shall never believe. And shall the Son of God's love plead in vain and urge his merit and not succeed? then farewell to the sureness and the firmness of our comfort in Christ Jesus. Just so far. Any thoughts? Any comments? Or is it too much? No comment on Romans 11? No? <laughs> 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 Am I still switched on? Yes, okay. Yes? Um, just
2: uh, What? <laughs> I shouldn't speak?
3: <laughs> um, just verse 19... And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. That's caused me to ponder on that in terms of what it means, to try and come to a simple understanding of what it means. And in doing that, the ESV renders it, I think, quite nicely, which enables a better understanding. Because the ESV says, I consecrate myself. So in other words, because on first reading, it can cause some confusion. To yes. Say how does Christ sanctify Himself? Yes. But on second and third and fourth reading, when you understand the concept of Him consecrating Himself and then tying it together with Hebrews thirteen twelve, So in other words, He's saying here that He set Himself apart. He dedicated Himself to do this, the Father's will on the cross, Amen. specifically that with the shedding of blood, as related in Hebrews 12, this is now what sanctifies Amen. the people that God yeah. gave him.
0: Yeah. Thank you, much. Any other thoughts? But that's an amazing, profound thought, isn't it? Yeah. That he sets himself apart for that particular right. purpose. Yeah. No more thoughts, no more Questions? Yes, Chris. Uh, sorry, just on verse 20. Um, what what does he mean when he says through their word? When he says, "What say, um, which shall believe on me through their word? Is he talking of like confession? Like? Well, I, I think obviously, I think he's is good question. I think he's speaking about the preaching of the word, that the apostles will continue the words that the Lord Jesus has given them. And we see that the, uh, the inspiration of Scripture there qu- very clearly coming through. Um, any, any remarks? Uh, Brian, would you like to comment on that? Uh, I think that's... this. It's speaking of being sent into the world. Uh, of course, I send them into the world. We have that missionary context there. And then they will be given uh, the word of God.
2: John, I was looking at verse 20,
1: where it says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone,
0: but for those
2: who believe in me through their work. That's us. Yes. That the Lord, so many years ago, was looking and praying for me. Amen. And He was praying for you. Amen. Um, knowing that we are His children. Yes. It's so, it's, it's so, it's so comforting, it's so personal yeah. when He says, through their work, because that from when the disciples first believed, and they went and told others, and others told others, and after 2,000
0: years, somebody told me. Yes. And he was praying for me. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Through the eternal decrees, of course, from the love of the Father. He says earlier that those given to him were given to him by the Father, and he gives them back to the Father from verses 1 through 6. Uh, the uh, first section of this high priestly prayer, he, he, spe- he speaks of that uh, very clearly. Those given to him before the foundation of the world, as we see in other portions of Scripture, that's amazing. I can only say that I stand here this evening, as an absolute pagan, before the Lord. Convert before I was converted. I would say you would absolutely you would be mad. It's, it's crazy. It can only be the fact that he was praying for his people then. Notice, as I said, that shall believe, not might believe. They will believe. That, that's, that's an amazing thought. It, it's beyond uh, my understanding and comprehension. Yes. But,
2: uh, yeah. Sorry. No, I can't
3: speak To go back to Chris's question, I think again some of the confusion that can arise there would be in perhaps misunderstanding the bare words. Because there are two people being referred to there. I do not pray for these alone. Who are those? The apostles that he has just prayed for. Mm -hmm. But also for those who will believe in me. That's the future generations of Christians. Through their word. That second their word refers to the apostolic word. Yes. So those that he has prayed for. Who carry forth the gospel message. Will now cause the others who are going to come. To believe in
0: him through their word. Okay. Do we get something of the accountability and the responsibility of those who preach the word? Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely.
0: Elders, the accountability and the responsibility of those who have been called to preach the word. Preach the word in the sense of preaching in uh, in a missionary sense. As I said, we're all missionaries. Um, we all speak the truth in, uh, to unbelievers. Uh, I was spoken to the truth. And the first time I said, Alan, that's fine for you. I don't want to know. And the Lord could have left me there. He could have cut me off right there. I don't want to know. I still remember those words. Fearful. eh? Fearful. Fearful Fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yes, Brian. I always get a bit concerned when Brian lifts his hand, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And for you, of course. (laughs) I think, oh, no. I, I just
1: want to add to what Trevor said, um, in terms of Trevor's note, I am encouraging verse 20 is that he, the Lord is not only praying for those immediate apostles, but for us who would later believe in Him. I think the reason that is so comforting is because the doctrine of particular redemption comes through strong in these last six verses, verse 20 in particular. Hey, yo. And, 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 and the incredible thing about this prayer of our Lord here is as he prays, and my mind cannot understand how that happens, obviously aside from his divinity, uh, sorry, obviously, well, that can only happen because he's divine. Mm. Uh, that's what I wanted to say. But my human mind cannot fathom how it was possible that even in this prayer, when Jesus was praying, if if we were the elect only just for the sake of an illustration he he was praying for us by name Mm -hmm. he he had us each in mind amen And, and 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 you and i can humanly not in one sitting pray and think of everyone what 30 or 40 people present here for us that's too big but he had each of those whose names were engraved on the palm of his hand before the foundation of the earth uh, in mind when he prayed. And, and John, therefore, that quote from John Owen um, is incredible, where Owen said, Christ's prayers would fall to the ground if he should pray for them that shall never believe. Amen. I mean, that can only be understood within the doctrine of particular redemption. Amen. Christ would not pray for those the mm. Father had not given him. Um, so, yeah, Trevor's comment just reminded me that it is so encouraging because it is settled. There's, there's no aspect of doubt to his prayer. Christ, the Son of God, knew exactly who to pray for because he prayed for those that the Father had given to him. Mm-hmm. Because the Father had given them to him, he could pray with them in absolute surety that they will come to know him through the word of the apostles.
0: Yeah.
1: So, Amen. That's just incredible.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But again, that doesn't negate... Our accountability and our responsibility—not by any means. It doesn't negate our preachers to preach the truth. It doesn't negate that one one bit. There's the means of grace that the Lord uses: is His Word and His providence and the inward working of the Spirit.
3: In fact, it's a, great, it's a greater exhortation preach the truth because we shall be sanctified
0: by the truth. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the neglect of the word, the truth of the word today is fearful. And there's a, 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 if I can pick anything up, there's a, again, there's a movement of denying the inerrancy of Scripture. It's growing again. It was... Men like Pink, and in the 1940s and 50s, from, from, the, from the, probably the early 1900s, the uh, Southern Baptists especially, and the fundamentalists were used greatly of God. We may not agree with them on certain doctrines, but the fundamentalists were used greatly of God to defend the inerrancy of Scripture in the early 1900s up to the 1950s and, and so on. And, but there's a, 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 a gain again there's an undermining of the truth that, that the Word of God contains the Word of God. It, is, it isn't the Word of God. It contains the Word of God. Well, I must ask the question, then if you believe that, then tell me which part of Scripture I should neglect and not believe and the portions of Scripture that I should believe. But... how? No, what is what is truth and what is not the truth? How do we discern which is which? But it's held in, in many denominations. Many denominations. Yes, Peter? Oh, Paul. Were you... Did, Paul, did you ask a question? You didn't, did you? No, no, I was going to ask right
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a difficult one. No, no, no. Just use the mic. Yeah. So, I was just thinking, I mean, these great mysteries run so deep because um, we see so clearly um, yeah, that those who the Lord is praying for firstly it's inconceivable to think that any of those could not be saved firstly but secondly to think thousands of years down the track we see god's perfect plan in salvation that he orchestrated the that those who he prayed for before the foundations of the world he ensured that the word, spoken word, would be preached and proclaimed to those individuals for whom Christ paid. Mm. I mean, I don't think our minds no. can understand it. No. So he ensured how would they know unless they hear, how can they hear unless someone sick? nothing is left to chance so the lord himself ensures that those who were for would be would receive the uh, the spoken
0: word amen yes yes also they had to be born they had to be conceived and born in the first place that's amazing That tells me that even conception and birth is no accident. Yeah. Yes, Peter. John, just a,
1: a comment on this prayer. I mean, it, it is mind-boggling to think that, you know, that God prays for us even before the foundation of the world. I mean, that, that we can't understand it, but to me, when I, when I look at these verses, we can't separate verse 31 from verse 3.
0: Mm -mm. because
1: the unity that we have in Christ should be shown amongst the believers. That is how we see that that sanctification sanctification is actually working out within us, that we have to be one in Christ. Amen. And one in unity within the church. And that's unfortunately sometimes where there's a big problem within the church because there's not really unity which does
0: not reflect this that Christ Yeah. <laughs> but, again, isn't that amazing how the Lord overrules that, even for, providentially for his own purposes and, his own, and, and the grace and the saving grace that he bestows on, upon his people? Even that, the Lord overrules. I'm not making excuses for it, but the, the reality is that, um, but like I say, verses 20 through 26, I just, I'm just struggling with, really, to try to even begin to comprehend. And so I, I think I might even consider, consider them as a unit in the greater doctrine of of, of our union and communion our spiritual union and communion with Christ. I may do that and present a few uh, studies from that area, not considering them verse by verse, but because we see its distinctive covenant love there, from verse twenty to through twenty-six. We have that covenantal language right through. So, I may. Yes, uh, Lawrence.
3: Yeah,
0: to nice. <laughs> just a thought in terms of that, prayer that Check. But just a thought of that prayer that Jesus prays for us at that point in time, right? his
2: dead. The, the prayer of Jesus
0: continues continuously, I would imagine, that he prays for us for our salvation and then after our salvation, to, to bring us the glory yes and therefore even at this second every one of us is on this prayer as such continuously say that again Lawrence please And to... every, every 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 believer is on is in the heart he's is, is yes peace. yes Jesus continues to pray for us yes continues yeah. Yeah. even at this second the Lord is upholding us in uh, individually and Amen, yes. Yes. No for sure. Yeah. Any other any other thoughts? Last one. Last one. Okay. From me. Can I give it a... <laughs> well this is this is wonderful. So just going back to what
3: you said about this postmodern world and how the truth is being the inerrancy of scripture is being challenged. being taught even in churches just made me think that you know this is a um, an indictment upon us as believers and i think about our own responsibility to our children our own responsibilities to the word that we study Um, and it's, it's massive because we raise or we are to raise a godly seed and we can't leave it to the pulpit ministry alone. A Sunday morning and a Sunday evening. We ought to be, as parents and grandparents, teaching them, binding it on their foreheads, teaching them as they're coming in and going out, and living a life, Koram Deo, but also Koram our children as Mm. well. For if they see in us lives that do not match what we say, what attraction is there? So it's just an encouragement and a call to arms to us as believers, mm. that, you know, live out your, 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 your salvation mm. with fear and trembling. Yeah. But we need to be disciplined in those doctrines and in our instructing our mm. children as well.
0: Which portion is I'm trying to think of the portion of scripture where in the Old Testament where the Lord tells them to uh, the, uh, the Lord's people. To to in the way to when you're sitting down when you're yes. standing up and you teach it. I'm not. I'm not sure. I I can't just think of the Deuteronomy six. Deuteronomy six. Deuteronomy six. Have you got it there, uh, brother? <clears throat> Deuteronomy six
3: verse six. And
0: these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them... Do, them. Uh, can, uh, please? It <laughs> uh, was given the mic to... Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no. Carry on. No, no Car- I can't go home tonight otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> there you are.
3: <laughs> you shall teach them diligently to your children okay. and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates.
0: Amen. And uh, again, we, as I said, I think I said something of we must walk or talk. You know. <coughs> Because there's nothing worse than not walking the talk. People will not listen to you. They will not listen to you.
2: Yes. Talking of walking the talk. That's it. <laughs> I was just thinking uh, in um, uh, verse 20, the Lord is essentially praying for Granted, the gift of faith, and I was just reading something uh, through the week. Martin Luther wrote that none will be saved uh, as a consequence of the profession of faith, but all will be
0: saved in consequence of the possession of faith. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. As you've got the mic there, brother, could you close in prayer for us, please? Oh,
2: gracious Almighty God, Lord. Father, as we contemplate these deep mysteries of the faith, Lord, we thank you for Christ Jesus our Saviour. Lord, as we reflect that even before we were conceived that our Savior prayed for our salvation. Mm. Prayed for us, Lord, to come to know Christ as Savior, granted us faith to believe, and saved us from our sin. Lord, we come before you, and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your high priestly prayer. Lord, as we see the unity of the body, Father, as you pray for your disciples, and then as you pray for those who would believe, Father, we thank you that salvation is from our God. And so, Lord, we thank you for this time together. We pray, Lord, that as we go out into the weekend, We pray that you would grant us a desire to share the wonderful gospel with those who do not know you. Mm. Lord, may you be honored and glorified through your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.